Uh, welcome back to Judge Movie. Uh, with me, your Judge Movie, Ben Flanagan. We're not in the studio today, we're in a pret in Soho. Mm -hmm. And I'm joined by... Millicent Thomas. You're from Screen Queens? Yeah. Um, and other things? Yeah, I'm assistant editor at Screen Queens. I do the podcast and I freelance here and there. Uh, and we've been watching like an absolute ton of movies over the last yeah. <laughs> two, three days here at Sundance London. It's all been in the Picture House Central, uh, one screen just full of, uh, they've just kind of shoved the press in before yeah. uh, it really gets going tonight. Uh, so what have you seen? Uh, so far, every film I've seen is Apollo 11, The Farewell, Corporate Animals, Animals, um, oh, what was yesterday? The Nightingale, The Last Tree and Late Night. That's, a, that's, that's a my festival, yeah, it's a yeah. stack. <laughs> Should we start with like, Apollo 11, which mm -hmm. is probably the first movie? That was my the first My favourite of the festival. Was it? I think. And now, now I've seen them all, and I've just thought, I can't stop thinking about Apollo 11. Like, that's the one I keep thinking of. The imagery in it is amazing. Oh my god, it's stunning. Like, I can't watch another space movie ever again because they won't be real, and this one was. Certainly compared to something like First Man last year, mm. which had this like really interior kind of view on which I didn't going into see. space. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but this is kind of much yeah. bigger achievement. So this is a documentary made of, is it all just found footage and like yeah, TV clips? I don't think a single clip in that film is from after 1969. Like right. it's all from the actual week of the space The event uh, of, of the Apollo 11 mm -hmm. going landing on the moon, Neil Armstrong. We all know the story, yeah. but somehow it's just edited like... Yeah, my precision. heart was like pounding out of my chest on every little countdown where you thought, oh my god, are they gonna like land properly? But you know they are, but you're still like shaking your pants. Yeah. I mean, it's got this like amazing like sort of first third before they take off. That yeah. was almost like the best part of it for me. Yeah, because you get those like almost like drone shots of the beach and all these people in their like 60s gear with their telescopes and their little paper hats. And I just couldn't help but think like, imagine being there like yeah. during that week. And now we kind of like are, and I was like shook. <laughs> yeah, it really captured the phenomenon of yeah. it without doing too many like I don't know it didn't cut to like the news readings or anything. Yeah, yeah there's a couple of like well. audio clips and stuff. But like, like, if they did any kind of like cutaways to the people who made any documentary would have done it this way, where they found the people who were at that beach that day and maybe interviewed them now and asked them like, oh, what was it like to be part of that? And then they like talked over the footage. And I think that would have just like taken you out of the entire experience. Where this one, I think I spoke to someone after and they were like, wait, that was a documentary? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that wasn't like a fictional film. Um, because it was just that, that stunning and it didn't take any second to take you out of the documentary into the kind of whole like um, known form of like interviews and stuff and I'm really glad they did that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just like so propulsive. I don't know what they did to treat the uh, the footage that they had, but it was like so the contrast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then there's these uh, kind of amazing shots of like the moon surface itself, where it was almost like just. I swear, like five, ten minute shots of like the yeah. moon surface, and, and you're like, is this like, like a weird experimental film now? Yeah, after, when you hear like the mission control calling back, and they're just like, we can see your picture near, like it, it looks really beautiful up there, and he's like, yeah, it really is, and I was like, mankind can achieve <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so that is probably one of the highlights. Really. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think I was so blown away by that that I enjoyed the farewell, which is Lulu Wang's mm -hmm. film. It was probably one of the biggest Sundance hits. Yeah. Um, a little bit less. That's an A24 one. That's about mm -hmm. Aquafina and her family, the Chinese immigrants, going back to China to uh, say goodbye to their grandma who is dying of cancer, but they they haven't told her, mm -hmm. which is like a tradition there. How did you feel about? I really, really liked it. Yeah, um, I cried a little, well, quite a bit. Um, but it, I think it got that 
really good balance of like the specific nuances that every family has. Like it was funny because of it. Um, like the specific ways that like dad and uncle would like speak to each other and stuff like that. And when when the camera would like linger on stupid moments with like the cousin who was getting married for the sake of getting the family back together, <laughs> and he'd only been with his girlfriend for like three months. You could tell they just went into it, and it was so funny. They were like the comic relief, I think. They you almost don't see any relationship between yeah. them. Yeah, they're all. just every shot. They're like. <laughs> yeah, they just sit awkwardly, and they're, interestingly, like they're Japanese immigrants. Uh, like yeah. they've, well, they've gone to Japan, and so there was a kind of culture clash there as well. Yeah, she, she'd gone to like New York to study, and he'd gone to Japan to study. Yeah, and I feel like the Chinese family had a bit of a thing against Japan. They were like, "Why would you go to Japan when you could go to China?" Definitely. <laughs> I, yeah, it was just like so well like detailed, like just yeah. minute details. I mean, it's not a long film, but just like kind of layers yeah, these. It's really like contained on this family. It's one of those like slice of life movies almost, but there was obviously like a bigger conflict or plot. Yeah, to it. it reminded me of like Mike Lee or like mm. Ang Lee's films, you know, the two leads. I love things like that. The chemistry is like all you need in those kind of films, and the uncle and the dad were like highlights. Um, yeah. Because it just reminded me of my uncle and my dad. <laughs> like, sibling relationships and generations are really interesting to watch, especially when they all come together. And throughout the film, all I could think was that like, I really want to call my parents and, like, <laughs> I want to go see my family and hang out because it makes you miss those dumb moments where you've got all the extended family together and all the cousins around the table and everyone's just like, so how's, how's uni? Or, like, how's and the, the kind wife? Of the awkwardness of that as well and how it's, like, not necessarily always comfortable in the moment, but you miss it when you're not yeah. there. Yes, yeah. literally. You're just kind of, when you're in those moments, you cannot wait to leave them. But then yeah. when you look back on them, you're like, that's, that's, that, was, that was nice. Um, so that is a, that's a hit. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I think probably that's the That's easily quote. probably like the top 10 this year so far. Yeah, it's pretty special. And then what, after that, we saw Corporate Animals, which was a totally different beast. Mental. How would you even describe this kind of, uh, I guess, is it kind of like a horror comedy? But... Yeah, I, I described it as, I compared it to Shaun of the Dead to some people yesterday. Yeah. Um, but I saw a synopsis of it where it was like, Oh, um, like tech startup uh, stranded in a cave, and so follows some business revelations and casual cannibalism. And I was like, that's, that's literally what but it with is. This amazing like Demi Moore performance as oh a weird God. like corporate She's boss. Quite feminism. Yeah, yeah. It Just like loves the kind of woke language and like it kind of skews yeah. that. But I don't know if the movie like totally like it's in control of a specific satire of the corporate world or yeah. anything like that I feel like it's I feel like it started out as like a comment on it but it went so extreme that it was just funny yeah. it was like a, a, you, we all agree with it because we know it's the truth but it's not saying anything like it's not saying this is bad or this should change it's just like how fucking funny is it that this is what every boss is like like every uh, every time it's being like gross mm. I find it hilarious oh, and it's got you know like Jessica Williams from Two Dope Queens and like people from Veep and The Office and stuff you so, recognise like, almost yeah, everyone, everyone. As well. <laughs> so it's just like a gang of great actors together and like yeah when it's mad it's good but when it was I don't know yeah. sometimes it just looked a bit visually drab for me and like, every time like the camera like panned somewhere though and there was like an organ yeah. or some blood somewhere I was just like getting, the, going uh, for it the, the guy's cutting his leg that's turning into like a Britney Spears that vagina moment, that sings right. that was amazing that was the moment where I thought okay it's going full surrealism full, like, and I am here like, for it like yeah. just keep going don't stop here like, yeah they, they never quite go to that next yeah. level though. they don't go like fully there but I did like some of the weird animation hallucinations yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And, oh my god the newts um, and, and the, the when he came out this won't make like any pepperoni. sense like, <laughs> the this, I don't know what kind of release this will I assume it will be like the kind of movie you'd find on Netflix yeah because it's Patrick That's... Bryce isn't it and like he did the Creep films and they're yeah, both like yeah. Netflix things 
but honestly, it if you can it. see it, I would just because it's fucking it's fun. It's a good like sleepover movie yeah. or like a couple of beers or something. Like if you liked Shaun of the Dead and you wanted a bit more gore, then go see yeah. Corporate Animals. So then after that came The Brink which you skipped out on. Sorry. It's a documentary about Steve Bannon made by Alison Clayman, who did the Ai Weiwei documentary a couple of years ago. Um, So she follows Steve Bannon over a year. Um, And there's some nice moments. You kind of get to see how his meetings and strategy works. But overall, I don't think it really, like, pushed through to... I don't know, it didn't tear him down too much. Kind of you know what I saw, though, on Twitter? Some guy gave The Farewell 2.5 and The Brink 4.5. And I was like, I haven't seen The Brink, but hmm. Well, there were people in the screening that, like... So there's a bit where he gets interviewed by a Guardian journalist okay. who, like, owns him a little bit. And people were, like, applauding and being like, yeah, oh got him! And it was like, come okay. on, like... You know, uh, yeah. It's, it was interesting, but, like, I don't think it, he ever really let his guard down that yeah. much. Um, and then the final film that day was Animals, not Corporate Animals, but Animals, and that is uh, Sophie Hyde's film uh, about. <laughs> you, 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 um, so you, it, it's two girls in that, two women in their mid thirties in Dublin, and it's kind of one of those where it's like two best friends who live together coming to terms with the fact that life moves on. Like one of them gets engaged, and the other one feels like left behind, and like struggling with creative work like they want to be a writer and it's just one of those like midlife crisis kind of movies um, we've kind of seen a lot of them yeah we've seen a lot of them and a lot of them are great but this one wasn't <laughs> it's got Alia Shawkat from Arrested Development doing mm-hmm. the worst Dublin accent I keep saying this but it was just such a bad Irish accent I still disagree that she was an American trying to like she was just integrating <laughs> she'd been there 10 years it was gonna slip I have American friends that slip in and out of like weird accents deal with it but um <laughs> The film just... uh, It was... Right, I can't even begin to explain why I didn't like it, but it was the last half an hour or so where it began to feel like such forced sentiment that it it was almost like an insult. I was like, I'm not here for any of this. Not, I don't like anyone in this film. Like, yeah. how you're trying really hard to make me care about them, it's and very now badly it's like, paced. yeah, it's badly yeah. paced. That, yeah, that was it. Like, there wasn't a moment where I thought, yeah, I'm here for it. And if anything, it was maybe the first half an hour when I was because I was excited about the film, so I was like really giving it a chance to start benefit of the doubt kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. But no. But we got to mention the amount of white wine they drink. So. Oh my goodness! <laughs> there is a lot of alcohol problems in this film. You could, it's like almost with now and I levels of like you could drink along with the movie and just get absolutely. I'm talking awesome. like they go through at least a bottle a scene, <laughs> and I don't know how long this film spans. A lot of times they're drinking a bottle each. In yeah, a it's a bottle each. A baby gets wine thrown on it. Oh my That's god! A good bit. There was actually like more than one scene where they go to a swanky event that offers free wine, and when they do, they just pick they're up just two like, bottles <laughs> each. You know, they're just like it's free, take it all, and then they like, hide under their chairs. And there's so many scenes as well that I really appreciated where Alia Shawkat um, goes around a bar at the end of the night or like yes. an event and just like pours the remnants of other people's drinks into her glass. Which is like funny at first, but as you realise that they've been doing that for literally like 10, Yeah, and then I'm years. like, honestly, I, this sounds horrible, but because obviously mid-30s and stuff, and I can't talk because I'm, I'm a youngin, but at one point I just thought, fucking hell, get your shit together. Yeah. Like, I'm actually really bored of this now. Like, we get it. You, you don't know what you want to do with your life. And I think that the movie a little bit because yeah. it just doesn't reach anything else. And we, we know this kind yeah. of trajectory. You're not hoping that they get their shit together. You're just like, for fuck's sake, get your shit together. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, I'm bored. Get your shit together so I can leave this movie. <laughs> yeah, I could not wait to leave that movie. Um, so that was the first day. Yeah. Was there anything from the second day that you want to, like, mention? I've got... I took mm. L as well, so. What did I see on the second day? Late Night was brilliant. The Nightingale was shit. Go see Late Night when it's out June 7th. 
peace sign. <laughs> uh, do you want to plug anything? Um, yeah. Um, my Twitter is Millicent on Film. Follow Screen Queens with a Z and the SQ Podcast for good podcasts like this with Thank, women. Thanks so much for, <laughs> for doing this. Is great. Thank you. Um, I hope so. <laughs> so uh, we've just come out of the death of Dick Long, and uh, what a death quite it was. A, what a death! Um, I'm joined by uh, El Hayward, not Elwood. Vaguely insulted, still. I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing a suit. I could be Elwood. And we saw a movie earlier that really reminded me of Legally Blonde, uh, Late Night. Oh yes. Uh, how do you feel about the, this Mindy Kaling, Emma Thompson uh, sort of broadcast news style comedy? Could have been a complete dive style wannabe James Corden kind of <laughs> sketch, but no, Emma Thompson pulled it off beautifully. I mean, she's a treasure. Um, Mindy Kaling, like, creds to her because I'm pretty sure she wrote it. Yeah, um, yeah. As well. And genius. I think, oh, I feel like she should have written herself more. But yeah, I appreciate I as a writer. She play, she's weirdly placed like a straight woman or kind of this uptight, woke millennial yeah. persona that's thrown into the but late night. Um, in the most unirritating way possible. Like yes, incredibly likeable. She nailed the tone of it very well. Which is very enjoyable, really. It is, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's weird as a, as a Sundance movie. Um, and it's the opening night film, which makes a lot of sense. But it's, um, you know, it's not got a lot more to it. Really, but I mean that seems to be quite a trend with all the festivals recently. There is one film that doesn't have that same level of like substance to it. Across. But it's just a fun film. Like they put um, what did they put? This sounds really bad. Um, the Dick Cheney one. Oh, oh Vice. They chucked Vice into a festival. Yeah, like, yeah, into Berlin. Into Berlin, it? and that had no place for yeah. it necessarily. But let's, but, let's talk about Sundance. Yeah, uh, Sundance. Um, <laughs> so a film with a lot of craft. For me, was the film we'd just come out of, The Death of Dick Long. Do you want to talk on that? I mean, genuinely one of the best plot twists ever. Completely out of the dark. <laughs> did not expect it, and plenty of dick jokes, which I fully endorse. Yeah, so this is uh, Daniel Scheinhart, who Daniel was Scheinhart, one of the. Yeah. Shine. Scheinerts? Shiners, who's one of the, t the pair behind uh, Swiss Army Man. But this is a lot more kind of based in reality and in the kind of surreality of southern Alabama life. Imagine Fargo, but kind of Fargo meets Dumb and Dumber in a really yeah. creative sense. I think a lot of people are going to kind of do the Trump thing with this because it's set in the Deep South, but I don't think it, um, you know what, it's political I, in that kind of way. It very politically neutral, I'd actually have to say. Like, they swerved around that issue hugely and they just played upon some stereotypes at times, but it wasn't crude in that sense. But that's quite interesting because it's... Um, uh, it kind of avoids poverty, which we know is like a huge, poverty and education are like huge problems in um, Alabama. Um, and it kind of avoids anything like that, like the fairly together family, they're kind of doing all right. Um, and there's it's not, not, not deprecating in that way at all. Like no. It very much embodies the community that the film is set in. That's it. And in a way, it reminded me of something like Gummo, kind of the weird little bits and bobs from these kind of, you know, yokel towns. Um, but it's got this amazing driving 
plot that's um even when yeah. you think it's twisted one way goes back another and the momentum it's just twisted. keeps going and you're just either cracking up with laughter or you're gripped about what the hell is going to happen next and it's just one of those standout films that you just think about and you're like oh my god and after two days of press screenings which is how they've done it here just a block of every film uh screened over two days um that was a great one to end on i think i'm coming out on a real high after uh couple of lows like after the wedding earlier on after the wedding was i was really rooting for it found it really funny at first it had kind of a nice vibe about it nothing spectacular and then kind of plunged into just utterly depressing just kind of standard uh oscar melodrama uh, and i think i expected more from a remake of a really good Susanna beer movie starring julianne moore starring uh michelle williams like two of my favorite actors there were moments that were brilliant but they never i don't feel like it came to fruitation in the way that it should have done but you you were crying I mean, so I was were, okay. Were okay, there were some really emotional moments in it, but also, I will attribute part of that having been still slightly emotionally battered by the Nightingale first thing that morning, right. which was um, hard hitting and horrifying. See, I loved uh, the Nightingale, which is Jennifer Kent's uh, rape revenge movie set in uh, colonial Australia. Uh, it's got almost a historical drama in a way, um, really extended, almost like a western. Uh, but it seemed to change the mood of the entire festival from the horror expectations that a lot of people had going in especially to with, yeah, uh, how everyone felt coming out. Like the his- considering her history with the Babadook, everyone was kind of like, oh, it'll be another kind of smash up horror, very much like kind of M. Night Shyamalan, kind of, you're expecting this new pattern from her in terms of her work. And it doesn't go that way in the slightest. It takes a re. it's horror. But in its own sense entirely, like it's horror is in horrific yeah. and quite shocking and probably very realistic, which I think is the bit that stomach's churning the most. I mean, it's using the, the sort of horror craft that she's learned uh, previously and applying it to actually the real, real world, horror, real world yeah. horrors, the horrors of colonialism. And it's, you know, uh, there's this friendship between uh, Irish um, Irish woman um, who's a, a prisoner yeah, and, and a Aboriginal man. Um, and I heard some people kind of complaining that there was a false equivalency between the two of them. But I think the film went into some pretty big depth about both of their psychology. I think they felt quite mutual territory with it as well that didn't take away from either of their experiences and their union between the two of them, like talking about their experiences, like what they had suffered through and everything. It wasn't this big like deep emotional talk that was all sobby. It was a uh, screw this, screw that, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, but still a slight animosity between each other. Yes. Which... And it's the way that that slowly breaks down where she, you know, won't go within feet of him and she's holding a gun to him for the first sort of 40 minutes of the movie. And then very slowly you see that crack in little ways, but then other elements of her, um, kind of, ha- her hatred and her kind of ignorance. They began, is, is they began to find mutual territory with each other, which doesn't fall into that trap of like romance in the slightest. They still are very much scarred by their experiences and there is a bonding over that and kind of like... Sorry, a sh- help us, please. We are looking for Ronnie Scott's club. Oh, Ronnie Scott's. Uh, so you want to go uh, over the other side of the main road there and it will be around there, all right? No worries. So home. <laughs> Well, your dogs. <laughs> Bring today, today can't get any weirder. <laughs> but it's it's been an eclectic day, Certainly, as Sundance yeah. goes. 
it's been all out really it's been mad and uh we saw you saw another one last night yes animals oh okay which is sophie hyde's kind of very glitter-fueled grungy kind of with now an eye riff starring uh alias shawcat from arrested development doing probably the worst irish accent i've ever heard oh god it was terrible i mean but she works well with Holiday Grange. There is something brilliant between the two. They them. definitely, they've clearly worked a lot and kind of workshopped the characters, haven't they? But the film for me just kind of felt, I mean, it felt like it was about three hours long. It but. went on that bit too long and they had some brilliant ideas. So fakely profound at times, but they explored some good kind of millennial issues. I guess, I don't know. To me, it just felt... Uh, really easy reaches a lot of time especially uh, without spoiling too much it ends in a very kind of perks being a wallflower oh, kind of way uh, very much this yeah um, I don't know a self-empowerment self-belief kind of storyline and I kind of felt like it could have been something more than that it dipped into brilliance with some great moments but then it just kind of led into obscurity a lot of the time that you kind of understood it wasn't necessary. It was too overcomplicated for the assessment, so it should have been more stripped yeah. back. I think the filmmaking really wasn't like up to that kind of standard to yeah. tell a story like that sprawling. Um, you got the gist of it. I completely understood it, and it was it was still a good watch. Yeah, I still enjoyed it. I don't know if I necessarily watch it again out of choice. It wasn't as strong as some of the others have been in this festival or what we've had from Utah. Yeah. Because as we remember, Sundance is just a snapshot of Utah, which is also quite a fascinating thing to have that condensed version yeah, exactly. of what they took it's, from the festival. It's interesting, for example, that there weren't really any foreign films on no, not the competition. At all. Like the closest is something like The Farewell, um, which is mostly in Chinese, but like is an American production. Um, That's the difference with like Sun. I mean, a lot of film festivals you go to to go and see the best of the international films and stuff. So when you get an American yeah. film, you're like, Meh, and this one. But to kind of find random things that you wouldn't know about, but this yeah. is actually telling you, no, these are the ten. These, these are what. Are the, these yeah. are the ones we decided from it that kind of yeah. worked. And I think they're going to do well in London. I think it's going to be interesting to see what the public reception is going to be because that's always incredibly different from the press screenings. Yeah, and it could. Be, yeah, it could be totally different. Uh, I think something like The Nightingale might have people. You really can have a lot of people walk out of that. That's going to be exactly the same as a Von Trier reaction. Do you think? Yeah. 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 I can completely see that. Like people walked out of the press screening from Trier, and a few people walked out of the Nightingale for press. Public, I completely believe there will be walkouts for it <laughs> because we, a lot of us, walked in not expecting what it was going to be, and had to face what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. When you are not immersed, when you're not being kind of fought, fed through the festivals constantly as a as a member of the public. Yeah. If I went and saw that. And it's weirdly being sold as a horror movie, and I think that's the strangest thing. And I get the horror aspect. It's yeah, just not the horror it's, you expect it's in not, the slightest. What, yeah, yeah, that's not the tone of the film. It's it's still a it's still an uh, very perceptive film. It's just one of those more shocking ones. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything else you want to say? Or any other um, I have loved it so far though. It's been it's been an intense couple of days <laughs> so far. Um, yeah, Sundance London, you have not let us down this year. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Uh, where been can great. people find you and your work? So, um, I am LK Hayward on Twitter. Um, I am an associate editor and writer at Take One magazine. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on our website um, to catch up on the latest, latest reviews. We focus on art house, indie, um, female filmmakers. Um, check out our work. Cool. Plug it, plug it myself in. <laughs> awesome.